Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we just had the privilege of witnessing the baptism of three God's covenant children. As we reflected on the meaning of this baptism, we also listened to the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ for each of these daughters that they are promised freedom from their sins in Jesus Christ. And this freedom comes from And it's a quotation of Romans 6, verse 5, being united to Christ Jesus in his death and in his resurrection. Being under the water that Christ bought with his precious blood, we are reminded of the death we deserve uh, for our sins, the death that many who do not know Jesus Christ will suffer. Coming out of the water, we are reminded of our new life in the purity that we may celebrate with him. It's referred to also in Romans 5, verse 21. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ can know that the black shadows of death are replaced with the vivid, colorful light of resurrection. God sent his Son into the world, a world that was filled with rebellion, the rebellion that God had to punish eternally, and his son felt the sting of death, but then he broke the teeth of the grave and he blasted a hole in the side of the tomb. He made it possible for there to be life after death. And the light is pouring into the darkness of this world And into this wonderful truth, I can also preach the gospel of salvation, that we live in the joy of Christ's resurrection. We'll see, first of all, that this joy follows after death. There needs to be dying for the joy to be experienced. And secondly, that this joy is found in Christ. We can see there is no resurrection if there is no death. Before Jesus could rise from the dead, he first needed to die. In order for us to share in the fullness of resurrection joy, we also first need to see the complete destruction of death. And then when we open scripture to find out what death is is all about, and when we sang the, the psalm, We notice that death is more than just the moment of dying at the end of our lives. We we can see that death permeates even our lives. And so to experience resurrection joy, we need to overcome more than just the death of our physical death, but also the deadness that our sins cause already now. And also the eternal death that is part of the curse of God against our sins. So in this first point, as we think about the resurrection joy, we'll reflect on what needs to die, what, is, what needs to be abolished for us to have the fullness of the joy of Jesus Christ. And the first thing we see is, is what we commonly think of when we talk about death. That's the physical death at the end of our lives. When we stop breathing. The Bible tells us that since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their bodies that were made from the dust would return to dust. And although they did not die right there on the spot when they ate the fruit, 
the opposite of evolution began to take place and their physical bodies slowly began to degenerate. Now, although they, they lived a longer time than we do today, as you can read in the first chapters of Genesis, we read that already then, after the fall, after a long life, every person died. Genealogies repeated, and he died, and he died, and he died. And Ecclesiastes takes that reality, the book of Ecclesiastes, and, and looks at that and, and asks the questions that are associated with it. What is, what is the use of this life if, if we all have to die? Everyone knows that one day, maybe sooner than they are anticipating, he or she will stop breathing. Their soul will be separated from their bodies. It's a difficult thing for, for many people to, to understand and to grasp. How do those without Christ deal with the idea of death? Recently, we heard of some famous singer from the Tragically Hip that, that passed away, and you could hear it all over the, the radio as they tried to interact with the death of this, this singer, Canadian singer. And they present death, we notice, as, as a stage on a journey. And they talk of this singer now as a star in, in heaven. And then when we look around, we realize that, that it's very difficult for a mind that does not know Scripture to, to explain and to deal with death. It, it, it comes, it happens to everyone, but could it really be that, that this is it? And so some religions talk about a drop returning to the ocean. Some say that you will become an angel in heaven. Some even say that you'll come back as a new form of creature depending on your conduct on earth. Death faces everyone. It's all around us. It's hard for many people to explain. Thankfully, we have the Word of God, which He explains to us what death is. And we learn that rather than listen to the, the conjectural, wishful thinking of a people longing for words to say who those, uh, to those who have lost loved ones, the Bible is very clear that death is not a good thing, that death, the separation of the body and the soul, is not just a natural part of this life, but it is, in fact, a, a punishment of God for the sin of Adam and Eve in paradise. It's a sad consequence of the fall into sin. So Paul calls it the last enemy, but he also says it's the last enemy to be destroyed, and it's death. Now last week, if you were paying attention, you were assured and comforted in Lord's Day 16, what we confess, that our death as Christians is not a punishment for our sins. For us as Christians, death is, a, is an entrance into eternal life. And yet it's something that we all need to pass through. It's an entrance that we all need to go through. And so we realize that to have the fullness of resurrection joy, and we confess that we, we also need to pass through death. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, it's a, it's a shedding of the mortal body. It's, it's the planting of a dead seed so that new life can spring up. We also long for the death of physical death so we can have the fullness of resurrection joy. But as we long for this resurrection joy, we, we already long for it in this life. The curse of death is not just something we see the day we stop breathing. But as soon as Adam and Eve disobeyed God while, while being very much alive and breathing, they also recognized that the desires of their heart, they turned away from God and his promises and they began to long for a life in which they could be their own gods. The sinful nature gave all people sinful desires and, and it blinds their eyes to the glory of God. It, it enslaves them to the power of the devil, makes them seek their salvation in anything or anyone but the Creator. The Apostle Paul calls this being dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, verse 1, dead in your trespasses and sins. And he means that the spiritual lives of fallen men are like corpses. Corpses that, that slump to the ground when they are called by the king into action. After the fall into sin, the Lord explains, we will never choose to do anything that will glorify God. Indeed, we cannot. Like a corpse, a spiritually dead person is disinterested in, in everyone and in everything around it, unless those people, whether they be men or women, husbands or wives or employees or employers, or whatever those people may be to them, they are only interested if it can help them be more comfortable. Like a corpse, a spiritually dead person cannot even see that there is a problem, that they have a problem. They have no desire to change anything and they toddle along in the train of life, rocking back and forth like a train full of, of corpses as they busy themselves with their education and their careers and their relationship and their holidays. They don't even know that their shepherd death, Psalm 49 verse 14, conducting the slave train, is conducting the slave train to the place of, of everlasting punishment. No one has ever been conceived and born without sin. No one has ever lived a life that gives full glory to the sovereign God in his or her work and relationships and worship. No one until Jesus Christ came. He is the only person ever to live in perfect innocence and in a perfect relationship with his Father in heaven. And when we look to Jesus Christ, we, we learn that it is possible, it is possible to be a human being without living like corpses enslaved to our selfish desires and the will of the devil. 
Jesus Christ's life shows us that it is still possible to walk in good works even as we have been created to do. But to share in this joy, it is necessary to kill our sinful nature with all its desires. Resurrection joy, as we see it in the life of Jesus Christ, is only possible after the death of our sinful nature. The problem is that all people have a sinful nature so that we're inclined to hate God and our neighbor. And so all people deserve not only their temporal, spiritual slavery, but also their physical death at the end of life, which is followed by a resurrection to suffering. Daniel 12 verse 2 says, Everyone will rise up, some to everlasting joy, and others to everlasting contempt. The third way that we read about death in the Bible is this eternal death, the the constant punishment under the wrath of God because of our sins. The promise of eternal death for those who reject Jesus Christ makes their, their deaths frightening and tragic, not just for them, but also for us who, who know what the Bible says. We know they will never experience life as it truly is life. There will never be that resurrection joy, that eternal death also must be destroyed. And so we look around and we realize in the graves, the corpses, how, how do we escape that eternal death? Can a dead person overcome his own death? Can a person standing on a plank lift the plank up off the ground? You have a bucket full of, a bucket with a big hole in it. Can you fill it with water using cups of water to put into it? Resurrection joy cannot be found in anything that we can do. It can only be found in Jesus Christ. And that's why when we came in today, we could see that on, on the wall displayed that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of, the first fruits of all who had fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That man is Jesus Christ. And this afternoon as we we think about the, the promise of resurrection, we lift up our eyes to him. Because Paul tells us in Romans 4 verse 25 that when he rose from the dead, it has great benefits for us. He says he was delivered up. He suffered and died for our trespasses and he was raised from the dead for our justification. Resurrection joy is found in Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the big picture, we take a step back, we, we realize that the Bible is telling us that, that the whole human race, including covenant people of God, are on their own. They're like a valley full of dry bones, like the vision of Ezekiel in chapter 37. Unregenerate, sinful people can be compared to grave dwellers, who spend their lives playing with the trinkets of this life that are are rusting and molding away 
shaking their fists at their creator as they wait for their turn to pass through the turnstile that leads to eternal death. And what a blessing it is to know the gospel that that grave could not hold Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to know that Jesus Christ who entered that grave did not suffer eternal death for sins, but he satisfied God's justice. He now brings eternal life for all who believe in him. The side of the tomb was, was broken open when Jesus Christ raised, ro- arose from the dead. The light now pours into our darkness through the preaching of the gospel, and the Lord is leading all his chosen ones who believe in him. All those who are forgiven, he is leading them through the hole in the side of the tomb to the fullness of eternal life. The gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that it has wonderful benefits for all who believe in him. In Christ, we are freed from the death train that leads to hell. The gospel message is that the chains of the grave have been broken forever by Jesus Christ. He's walking out of the tomb. He's walked out of the grave and he takes all who believe in him with him. Together with him, we have overcome death. We have been placed in the kingdom of light and love and joy and peace. We believe and confess that Jesus Christ willingly suffered under the wrath of God for our sin. That means he entered the grave so that he could break its teeth and overcome its hold. The chains of the grave could not hold the perfectly innocent Savior, Jesus Christ. And the best part of it is that everyone who believes in him can know that they are baptized into his death, but also into his resurrection. Now there is a message you want to share with people around you. We don't have to live with our heads down in the darkness of death and despair. There is a way out in Christ. He has risen from the dead. His righteousness before God counts as our righteousness. And if his righteousness was good enough for him to to be set free from the grave, well then it's good enough for us as well. We may share in the joy of Christ's resurrection. We are set free from the curse of God against sin, which is eternal death. We are raised up with Christ our Lord. And the word preached The word of this resurrection, it brings faith to our dead bones. God draws all his own into the the light of the gospel. Instead of looking down in the darkness of the grave, we we come in through through the light that is shining through the hole in the grave and, and we hear and see the good news That in Jesus Christ there's new life, not only in the future, but already now. We are made alive already in this life. That's the second thing we confess in Lord's Day 17. 
It's the promise that, that Paul refers to in Ephesians chapter 2. We're raised up to a new life right now. That's something visible. That's something tangible. That means that I can tell by looking at your life if you are alive in Christ or dead in your sins. What do you think that looks like? How can you tell the difference? How do you show yourself to be different? I can fill in the, the blanks with many different descriptions. You can think of that yourself. How do you look different than those who are dead in their sins? How do we show that we are alive in Jesus Christ? Do we show it in our work? How do we show it in our work? How do we show it in our entertainment choices? How do we show it in our language, the way we speak? How do we show it in our marriages? How do we show it in our worship? When well, we begin to fight against the temptations of the old nature. By the grace of God, we can see this desire to, to resist temptation, to actually fight against temptations, to hate and flee from sin, to nail it to the cross, and to embrace the life we have in Jesus Christ. And what a confidence we may have. We do that with a long-term perspective. We're, we're made new today because we're going to live with Christ, with our Father in heaven forever. We have confidence because we can gaze upon the truth of the open tomb of Christ Jesus. We know that where the head goes, the body will follow. When Christ is our head, his we, his body, will follow. Christ's Resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. The curse that lay on us has been lifted so that we do not need to fear eternal damnation in hell. We actually hate our old nature and all the, the illusions and all the false promises that it, it brings to our minds. We daily seek to kill that old nature so that we can experience the resurrection joy already in this life. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We are a part of his body. We can see that new life already now. When we look forward to the day of our death, we can ask the question, what can there possibly be that can hinder us from spending eternity in the light of the glory of God? What is there that can possibly restrain us from seeing the fullness of the light that we already see in our lives today? And then we see the resurrection of Christ benefits us today in such a powerful way makes us realize how often we should reflect on Christ's resurrection. How we should understand that we are dead, we are, we are truly alive in all respects. Death has been completely vanquished, we sing in that well-known hymn. 
The sting of death can no longer hurt us, not in, just on the day when we stop breathing, but already now. God will never condemn us to hell because of our sins, because we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is assurance of that. No matter who may wish or say it to us that they wish we would go to hell, no one has more say than our Lord Jesus Christ. He who bought us with his precious blood. And he tells us that everyone who believes in him will never have to experience eternal death. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are on the other side of death. We pass through death. We have resurrection joy forever. So we don't need to get caught up in that rat race. We're not like hamsters in the ball that are continually running in that little wheel and their frenetic activity but getting nowhere. And we have a place to go. We have a promise of eternal light. And so let us celebrate life today. Let us celebrate that we are made alive, alive to serve him, alive to glorify him, and when that day comes, when that day comes, when the journey of this life is over and then our bodies are laid in the grave, we know that we will continue with him as he carries us through the door of death to eternal life out of the hole that Jesus broke through the side of the tomb into glorious resurrection. And then we will see the fullness of resurrection joy. Amen.